Thank you, Brother Terry. This time, if you brought your Bibles, please turn to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 2. I'm going to be sharing from Mark chapter 2. Perhaps a familiar passage. I'll be reading verses 1 through 12. Mark chapter 2. And I'd like to share a sermon that I've entitled just a friendship that raised a roof. A friendship that raised a roof. We'll look at Mark chapter 2 and verses 1 through 12. God's Word says in verse 1, Mark 2, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick man of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it's easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed, and go thy way unto thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We've never saw it on this fashion. A friendship that raised the roof. For the past five weeks, we've been preparing as church family for this day, for Friend Day. We've been studying about the importance of being a friend and reaching our friends with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. For five weeks, all of our Sunday school classes, Bible fellowship classes from our nursery all the way up from our youngest all the way through our senior adult Bible fellowship classes have been studying God's Word in regards to reaching our friends with the gospel of Jesus Christ. For five weeks, we've also heard sermons every Sunday about the importance of reaching our friends with the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Five weeks ago, we began praying for God to to lay upon our hearts at least one person one friend that we could invite to come to Friend Day. We filled out cards and listed a person's name or more than one person on those cards. 
And as we made those connections, as we would get a connection with a friend, we would take that yes card where you put, yes, I'll be there. We brought the other portion, the other half of that guest card, that yes card that you filled out. And we began to pin those cards to these two crosses over on my left. And then we began to pray for those names that were on those cards, on those crosses. First Sunday, my wife and I brought our cards to the crosses. The next Sunday, our deacons brought their cards to the crosses. Third Sunday, our Sunday school teachers brought their cards to the crosses. The fourth Sunday, all the rest of the congregation brought their cards to the crosses. And so as you look at those crosses, your name perhaps may be on one of those cards. And you're able to be here today, but I just wanted you to know that we've been praying for you. That you'd be able to come, that you wouldn't have anything that would... Uh, come up that would um, delay you in coming, that you'd be able to be here. And we've been praying for any need you had, a physical need or a spiritual need. And so this morning, regardless if you're a member of Mountain View Baptist Church or just a guest, at least 86% of us are here today simply because we were invited by a friend. Now, as you look at these two crosses... They're filled with names of friends, with different needs. Uh, some are lost without Christ. Some of those names on those cards represent those that are unchurched and looking for a church to get plugged into. They're Christians and looking for a church to get plugged into just to serve the Lord. Some names on there are just uh, going through a crisis in their life and just need our prayers. Some of them have been saved, but they've walked away from God for whatever reason, and they need to turn back to God. Perhaps that'll take place today. And others on there are just friends that we wanted you to come and worship with us today. But let me say just two things about the person who invited you. First of all, they're very courageous. And I say that because it takes courage to approach someone and begin to talk to them about spiritual issues. And then secondly, they're a better friend to you than you previously realized. They had a concern for you, and they wanted you to be with them in church today. Now, with this passage of Scripture that we looked at, all of us would like to have some friends like this man mentioned in Mark chapter 2. If you would, look at just verses, um, look at verse 1. Let me just walk you through this just for a moment. He entered Capernaum, speaking of Jesus. Most scholars believe Jesus was in the house. One, one translation says that he was in his house, but he was believed to be in Peter's house. But he was so comfortable in Peter's house that he even referred to it from time to time as his house. Isn't that neat? Could Jesus come into your house and feel at home? Could he come into your house and feel that, hey, this is my house. I mean, I feel at home here. That's the way he felt at Peter's house. In verse 2, we notice where he told the people, or the people began to gather. He began to preach, and, and they began to gather. And all of a sudden, the place was just packed 
out. They gathered together. Insomuch the Bible says that there was, there was no room for, to receive them. Not, not even around the door. I mean, it was just packed out. But look, if you will, at verse 3. He says, And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Nothing else was said about these four guys. It's just that four guys brought a friend to Jesus. That's all was said. That's all we know about them. We don't know their names, where they were from. We just know that they knew the one that was sick with palsy. He was paralyzed. And they considered him a friend. But as we look at those guys in the Scripture, we can see some qualities about those guys that are probably true about the person who invited you to church today. I'm going to share a few of those qualities with you. First of all, that person is a faithful friend. These guys were faithful friends. Look at verse 3. I read verse 3. Look at verse 4. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, for the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up and laid down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay, and Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, of, uh, thy, son, son thy sins be forgiven thee. And so they were faithful friends. Their faithfulness was demonstrated by their devotion. They were devoted to their friend. Regardless of the circumstances, they were devoted to their friend. Five times it's mentioned that this person was sick of palsy. Must have been important for us to know that this person was sick of palsy, flat of his back, couldn't help himself, couldn't do anything for himself, totally depended on someone else. So these men, you know, they didn't seem to be relatives of his, just friends of his, just four friends who were so devoted to this man, regardless of his condition, regardless of what he was experiencing in his life, they were devoted. Regardless his race, they were devoted. Regardless who, who he was, they were just devoted. And their first devotion to him is noticed and expressed by their concern for him. They were concerned about this man and what he was going through. I mean, he couldn't do anything for himself. They were concerned what he was going through. He was in a lot of pain. And they were concerned enough to go to him and tell him that they had heard about a man named Jesus who could heal, and they were planning to take him to Jesus. So you see their devotion, their devotion by concern, and then their devotion by care. They just carried him on his bed. That word bed there literally means mattress or pallet or a stretcher or a cot. And so you can get the, your picture in your mind's eye. This man stretched out on a pallet or a cot or a stretcher. And they were going to pick him up. Think about how awkward that would be to pick that man up if it was just two, two long poles with a blanket tied to it and he was in the blanket and it was sagging as they were carrying him along. Think how awkward it would be to move through the crowd on the streets and then to try to get in the door of a house. But they were willing to do that. They were devoted to him because of their concern and they were devoted because of their care. Think how he must have felt when they picked up his bed and began to walk. 
Has anyone, have you ever been on a stretcher? Have you ever been perhaps on a cot and, and people would pick you up? I remember in the Boy Scouts and I remember in uh, National Guard when we were taking some safety training and being carried on a, tri- uh, on a cot and, and I was literally scared to death, you know. I wasn't going to make the trip. Well, this guy probably had fear also. These friends going down the road with him on this cot, on this bed-like cot. So their devotion was expressed by their concern and by their care. But then not only devotion, but they had a determination. Notice that. When they arrived at the house, it was packed out. I mean, even by the door, meaning the door would not even open. There was no way to get in. And then one came up with a brilliant idea, perhaps. Let's take him to the roof. It's impossible to get in the door. Can you imagine that? Jesus was teaching and people were gathered so tight. I've been in a situation like that before. I remember going to Guatemala years ago and the weather was going to be bad that night and we were preaching in a little village and I was preaching in a house or in front of a house in the street and the weather was going to be bad. And so this, this, the, the pastor of the church there, we were meeting outside of, on the street showing a film and the weather was going to be stormy. And we went over that late evening, and he and his wife had this old iron, this iron uh, wheelbarrow. And they had a two-room house. It's just really one room divided by a center wall. And they were taking a brick, I mean, they were taking a chisel, a hammer and chisel, and totally removed that wall and opened up their entire house. And they were taking out that wall, taking it in a wheelbarrow, dumping it out in the middle of the street, but they removed that wall where others could get in. They totally dismantled their house where others could come in to to hear the gospel. How many of us would do that? But that's what they were doing. And Jesus was preaching at this house, and it it was filled. But these men would not let that crowd stop them from getting their friend to Jesus. So they go outside, or they're already outside, and they, they just take the steps leading up the side of the house. You can picture the house, and they go up the steps, and it just reached one floor, perhaps eight or ten feet. It had a thatched roof, a flat roof, and they walked out on the roof. They take this bed pallet, this, this bed roll, a stretcher-like cot up those steps. Can you imagine going up the steps with that man on that stretcher? Let me, well, think about taking, the, taking a wheelchair up the steps. You'll kind of get what they were going through. Now, why were, they do, why were they doing that? Because they were determined. They were devoted. Then they were determined. But something else, they were dedicated. I noticed that. These men, I mean, they wouldn't stop until they placed their friend at the feet of Jesus doing everything necessary to make sure their friend had an opportunity to be at the feet of Jesus. Luke chapter 5, 19 records that they lured him to the feet of Jesus. Now notice it was a dedication in regards to being creative. Imagine that. Coming all of a sudden to the door and he couldn't get in and they were dedicated to create a way get their friend to Jesus. And one of them said, I know what we'll do. Let's cut a hole in the roof. Imagine that. And so they decided to go up the steps and they get up there. So they had to cut a hole the width of the stretcher and the length of the stretcher. 
and Peter's roof. Dedication to be creative, but dedication regardless of the cost. It didn't matter to them. Probably did to Peter, but it didn't to them. They didn't think about the cost. They didn't think about the work involved. They just wanted their friend at the feet of Jesus. That's what they wanted. So Peter, all of a sudden, his house, dust started falling from the ceiling, you know, and pine straw, not pine straw, but straw started coming down from the, the ceiling, and all of a sudden, the sky, you could see through the ceiling, and all of a sudden, you could see a face, and, and then a man just drops down on a stretcher right at the feet of Jesus. Determined, dedicated. You ever had a friend like those four guys? Devoted, determined, dedicated. Now, here's the ironic thing about it. I'm about finished. Mark chapter 2, verse 6. Look at that. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there, reasoning in their hearts. There's no Pharisees sitting there. So at the end of the story, this paralyzed man is going to get up, he's going to pick up his bed, he's going to walk out, and the Pharisees are going to just sit there immovable. In essence, they were the one paralyzed. They sat there. Imagine, paralyzed spiritually. It's far worse than physically to be paralyzed spiritually. They were paralyzed spiritually because they had came with a critical spirit. They came to find fault to those that were listening to Jesus teach. They came just to pick apart what was going on there at the house. And when this paralyzed man jumped up, being physically healed, being spiritually healed, they could have too, but they just chose to sit there paralyzed spiritually. You say, Brother Samuel, what's the point in all this? Well, all of us can relate to the, to the man on the stretcher. We've all had our physical problems. I mean, we've had our health problems. Perhaps you've had health problems recently. I talked to one of our church members yesterday. Just, I saw her briefly at the parking lot, and she'd had five, uh, five bypasses two weeks ago. One of our members' husbands had a triple bypass last week. We, we've had physical problems. Uh, have my sisters recovering from a full knee replacement. Just coming off a partial knee replacement eight weeks ago, she damaged her knee that she had uh, fixed, getting on her knees to pray. Tore all that loose. She's going through some physical problems. I have a good friend right now that's near death, suffering from cancer. This weekend will be a long weekend. So we can relate to the to the guy on the stretcher with physical problems, health problems, maybe with family problems with the spouse or children or a parent or a girlfriend or a boyfriend, fiance, whatever. Even our job, plants closed. I don't have a job. Financially, we can relate because I don't know how we're going to get, how things are going to work out, how we're going to get ends to meet. So there's problems that way, no doubt. We've experienced that. So this morning... 
We've, we can relate to the guy on the stretcher with his physical problems. But you have a friend that invited you to the feet of one who has the answer to all your physical needs, whatever they might be. But all of us can relate to those physical needs. Well, let me mention this. All of us can relate to the man on the stretcher who had a spiritual need. We need our sins forgiven. Verse 7, the Pharisees had the right question. They said, who can forgive sin? But they had the wrong conclusion. You see, they had their faith in their religion instead of Jesus. They could talk the language. They looked religious. They would go through all the rituals. But when it all boiled down to it, they didn't know the one who could forgive sin. You know, there are a lot of people today who have the right question. Well, how do I go to heaven when I die? But they've drawn the wrong conclusions. They have a choice. They have a choice to have a religion of works. Or they have a relationship with a person by faith. They have the right question. They draw the wrong conclusion. And this morning, your greatest need is not your physical. Your greatest need is your spiritual. You need to have your sins forgiven. Today, your friend, whomever that might be, has invited you to the one who can make a difference in your life. You say, well, Brother Sammy, how can I go to heaven when I die? Well, it's called the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. And there's one word that can sum all that up. And it's called faith. F, forgiveness. Nobody can go to heaven unless their sins are forgiven. The Bible puts it this way, in him, meaning Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. A, that forgiveness is available. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I, it's impossible to go to heaven without your sins being forgiven. Heaven's a perfect place. If I went without my sins being forgiven, I'd mess everything up. But the moment that I ask Christ to forgive me and come into my life and save me, he does just that. And my sins are forgiven. T, I turn from my sins and I turn to this person by the name of Jesus. Ask him to forgive me, come into my life and save me. And then I have H. I have heaven, eternal life, but I have an abundant life here. You know, Christ wants you to have an abundant life right now, to live life to its fullest. Jesus said it this way, The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He wants to help you with your problems, with your finances, with your children, with your spouse, with your job, with all of that. He wants you to live life to its fullest now. Then when you die, then you'll live with him forever in that place called heaven. Faith, F, forgiveness. A, it's available. 
I, it's impossible to go to heaven without it. T, you turn from your sin and turn to a person. Put your faith and trust in him, and you'll have an H, an abundant life here, an eternal life to come. This morning, let me ask you, would you be willing to, to choose Jesus? I don't know your need. I don't know your physical need. I don't know your spiritual need. But you had a friend that invited you to church today that you could be introduced to a person who could meet all of your needs. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to come into your presence today. And Lord, look at a group of friends, four guys that raised a roof for a friend to meet Jesus. I pray for every person here today. I don't know their need, but they had a friend to invite them. And you know their hearts, and you know the need they have. And so I pray today, Lord, they'll realize that you're the one that can meet their physical needs, but the most important need of all is their spiritual need. So I pray today that your Holy Spirit speaks to hearts that they'd be willing to come and say, Brother Sammy, I want to know how to be saved. I pray you'll work in hearts today by your Holy Spirit. Draw those to salvation. Other decisions perhaps needs, need to be made. Rededication of life, perhaps. A Christian who's turned away from God for whatever reason. Pray today will be the day they come back. Transfer of membership or unite with our church family to get plugged in as a Christian and start serving the Lord until you come back. Whatever it is, I pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit will draw us to make those decisions in our lives today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.